friends, do, do, do. We'll follow Jesus till the end, da, 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 da. We are the tracers. We get up in your facers. No time for losers, cause we are the champions at CIY. Very good, thank you. Good morning and welcome to Trace. That was a little chant that our uh, high school kids made up for, it was really annoying and really awesome all at the same time. And we sang it all week. It was awesome. Uh, I just want to give you guys a little bit of an update as we get started here. Um, uh, first of all, those of y'all that don't know me, my name is Corey. I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm, I'm uh, overseeing our next generations as well as some other areas. Uh, but that's one of the major focuses we have is, is investing in our next generation. And so over the summer, we have this little thing we call uh, Summer Changes Everything. And it's really a, a ploy to get kids to go to these camp environments because they have an opportunity to get away from their daily lives and get away from the distractions and be able to hear from God in a, in a way that has the opportunity to, to drastically alter the course of their lives. And for some of you guys, like you're in here today because that happened to you at a camp at some point in time. And so uh, we, we had 31 high school kids go to our high school camp. We had seven middle school go, uh, kids go to our, our middle school camp. We had over 100 do our, uh, our Trace Fit kids. It was just an incredible summer thus far, all packed into June. So I'm a little sleep deprived. If I'm not making sense or I'm rambling today, this is where truth and grace, please, comes in uh, into play here. Okay, so w- with that being said, um, uh, summer drastically impacted the lives of lots of these kids. Um, at middle school camp uh, the week before, uh, we, we just actually, last service, we had one of our kids get baptized and say, you know what, I, I'm making this a public declaration of my life. We have two other kids from our middle school camp that say, you know what, that's a step that we were, we're pursuing uh, at our high school camp this, this past week, it was incredible. We're, we're watching as like they're asking for different decisions. And, and, uh, and so we had two kids from our, our ministry step up and say, you know what, we want to wholeheartedly follow Jesus. Uh, maybe for the first time in our life, they stood up and did that. And then they asked for rededications. Like our entire group stood up. They're like, we're in, man. We want to be a part of this. And one of the coolest things that happened uh, was uh, they said, you know what, for some of you guys, uh, you are being led to do this, uh, when it, this, uh, live out your faith on a vocational manner. In other words, you, you want to do this for the rest of your life and, and maybe find a way to get paid to do it. And so uh, we had four of our students at, uh, from high school stand up and do that. And actually, they're here right now, I think. Go ahead and stand up if you made that commitment. Yes, there they are right there. Give them. <clears throat> you all can be seated. Except for I'm going to ask Jack to come up here and preach now. So no, I'm just joking. No, you stay right there. So that's good. Uh, seriously, guys, uh, now here's, here's what you all need to understand from us. Uh, our next generations matter. Uh, it doesn't matter if you like kids or not. Like we, we are, We're called to love them and invest in them. And so if you don't like kids, we don't want you serving in our kids' ministry or our student ministry. But... But we, we still want you encouraging the, the like students and the kids that you see. And they, it might be like your kids, it might be your neighbor's kids, it might be your grandkids, your nephews and nieces. But we have a bunch of students that are showing up here week in, week out. And uh, they need your encouragement and support. And many of you guys afforded them the opportunity to even go to this campus uh, because, because you sacrificed financially to be able to help them go. So thank you on the front side of that. Now on the back side, the hard part comes when we come down the hill and we actually have to enact all the things that God put in our hearts. And so when you see these guys, like, Stop them. If they, if they look like they're half asleep, that means they went to camp, all right? And so stop them and ask them, hey, what'd you learn? What did God show you? And, uh, and they'll, they'll have something for you. Maybe, uh, maybe you take them out to coffee and, and do that. But like, 
They want to share the things that they've been learning, and in large part, that's because you guys stepped up and did it. So thank you for what you did. Uh, one of the surprising things that I didn't know was going to happen, uh, we've been in this series called One. Uh, we've been looking at the first chapter of each of these books of the Bible, kind of giving us some context to, to read the rest of that particular book or that letter that was written. Last week, we had a guest speaker talk about First John chapter 1. When we went to CIY, that happened to be the topic for the entire week. We looked at First John all week long, and it was just one of those God sightings where it was like that perfectly correlated to what we had to be able to talk about today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a look at Joshua chapter 1. The hope of this whole series that we're, t- that we're talking about, one, is that we would uh, kind of give you an introduction to one of these books or one of these uh, letters that are written uh, in Scripture, in the Bible. And what, what it would do is it would give you some background, some context, so that you can confidently go and read the remaining of that particular book. And so this is an Old Testament book called Joshua. It's, it's about a guy named there you go. Good, good. We got a guy named Joshua. And uh, so some of you guys know who Joshua is. Some of you guys have no clue who Joshua is. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of context because if we're going to understand where like, God is wanting us to go, we have to understand where he's taken people thus far. And so I actually have a little bit of a video here that will kind of get you up to speed, and then we'll give you some more t- context, and we'll go into this. So watch this video. story starts with this guy named Abraham who lived in the Ur of the Chaldees in Mesopotamia. God called Abraham to go out of the Ur of the Chaldees to this promised land which God was going to give to him and to his descendants after him. And then his son Isaac was born. And then Isaac had Jacob and Esau. And Jacob had a son and his name was Joseph. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery, into Egypt. Joseph then goes into Egypt, not by his will, but by God's. He gets into Egypt. He becomes a leader of Egypt. And gradually, because of a famine, all of the rest of his family come to Egypt. And they land in Egypt, and there's about 70 of them. And then the Israelites are forced into slavery. And 400 years, those 70 grow into a massive nation. And then Moses is born. And then he leads the people out of Egypt to Mount Sinai, or in Deuteronomy, it's called Horeb. And in Mount Sinai, they receive the Ten Commandments, and then they're to travel to Kadesh Barnea by that road. It only takes 11 days to go that far. But then there... God commands them to invade Canaan, the land that he's giving them. But they are disobedient, and they don't do it. So God disciplines them, and they wander in the wilderness for 38 years. And then the next generation takes over, and they travel across the desert to the plains of Moab, and there they listen to their pastor, Moses, as he delivers three sermons, which is the book of Deuteronomy. Right after those three sermons, he dies, is buried near Beth Peor, and then the new leader, Joshua, takes the next generation across the Jordan into the promised land. 
I don't know about you guys, uh, I'm kind of a visual. I need to be able to see kind of pictures and places and everything else. And, uh, and specifically, since we're talking about, uh, about Joshua, he, he, this, this whole concept of promised land, uh, it, it's helpful to see where that actually shows up and into play. And so, uh, again, I, I had um, several of our students this past week read this along with me. One of the things uh, that kind of kept coming up was that there wasn't a whole lot of context for, for what like Joshua was getting ready to do, the promised land and everything else. And so hopefully that video helps. I'm going to give you a little bit more context. We got, got this guy named Abraham who uh, God spoke to, and he gave a promise. He says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Uh, in other words, I'm going to make you into a nation. It's just him and his wife at the time, a barren wife even at that. And so he calls him to, uh, to, to grow a people and to inherit a land. And so that's a promise that's been given to him and his family for, for years on end. And so uh, unfortunately, like their whole crew, uh, it kind of takes a long roundabout in order to get to this place. And uh, they end up finding themselves in captivity in Egypt. Uh, and then Moses, Moses comes after four. 400 years of captivity, he frees them from this captivity. Now, they're, they've become a great nation. Like, there's probably a million plus people at this point in time in their history. These 12 tribes have made up this whole group of people. And so they get out of this captivity. And now Moses brings them to the very brink of the promised land. And he says, all right, there it is. Um, and in order for us to go into it, let's, let's scout it out a little bit first. And so what he does is he, he grabs 12 representatives from each of these tribes, okay, each of these family groups. And so he's like, okay, you come over here, you come over here, you come over here. And he grabs these very respectable individuals uh, to represent, and, and he sends them into the land. Well, Joshua, uh, this is where we kind of get to really start to know Joshua uh, in, the, in the Bible, in the history of the Jews. What he does is he's one of the guys uh, that represents one of these tribes, and he goes in alongside of, of these spies. And they go in, and they check out the land for like 40 days they're in there, and they, 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 they scout it out, check it out, bring some of the fruits back, and they come back, and they give report of where they've been, and they say, here's the deal, like, this land is hot. Like, I mean, it is, it is awesome. It's, it's full of, like, big trees and fruits, and, and the ground is fertile. It's, it's full of milk and honey. It's like flowing with this kind of stuff, all right? Uh, now, it's kind of a, a, a metaphor for the fact that like, this is great land. But, uh, but what, what we did find out was like there are like lots of people there, like people that are warriors. They have fortified cities. Matter of fact, there are some of these guys that are descendants of these giants. And so like there's nine foot people that are there. And so what happens is, is a guy named Caleb and Joshua stand up and they're like, man, the land is good. Yeah, the people are big, but God is big. Let's go, let's go take this land. But the other 10 representatives from these different tribes, they said, oh, no way. Like, yeah, the land is good, but there's no way that we could defeat those people. There's no way we could do it. And so they start to cause this grumbling among the people of Israel, and they say, we're not going. We know that God has promised it to us, but we're not going. And so God looks at the people disappointed, and he says, guys, I promised it to you, but you're not taking it. So, so now as a, as, a, as a consequence to this, he says, for every day that you spent in the land searching it out, now you've got to spend a year in the desert wandering around. So now for 40 years... 40 years, these guys go and wander around the desert. And, and this, is the, this is the thing that God says. He says, not a single one of your generation is actually going to enter into the promise that I promised you. So he's just basically for 40 years, he's waiting for this generation to die out. Uh, and he says, the only two people that are allowed in there from your generation, this guy named Caleb, this guy named Joshua, okay? And so what happens is, is we find ourselves at the end of that 40 years. All that generation has died out. Now Moses himself has died. And then we enter into Joshua chapter 1. And so what we're going to do today is I want you to open up your Bibles or turn them on, however you have them here today, to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, and what we're going to do is I'm, I'm actually going to have you read Joshua 1, the story of Joshua here, um, uh, to yourself. And so we're going to actually we're gonna read the Bible in church. Okay? I know that's like a novel idea, okay? But that's what we're going to do. Now, here's the deal. 
to those of you all that are here that are like still trying to figure out this faith thing or whatever, like you don't have to believe that this stuff is true. You don't have to believe the thing about, about God. This is like Jewish history, okay? So this is a history book. We're just going to be taking a look at what, what happened, all right? Uh, and this, now you have some context to be able to do that. If you didn't bring your Bible, what we've done is we've actually, we have this up here. It's only going to take you about three minutes to read it, okay? But we want to encourage you guys to do that. So as you read, I want you to be looking for like a reoccurring theme, throughout your reading, something that stands out to you in that regard. So take three minutes, music's going to be on, read chapter one of Joshua. Okay, hopefully you had enough time to, uh, to read through that passage. Uh, if not, like keep reading it even as I talk because what you're reading is more important than what I have to say, all right? Um, but uh, 
That, that chapter, it literally took you three minutes um, to, you know, to, to read this, maybe for some of you guys a lot less. Uh, one of the things that we talk about here at, at Trace all the time is, uh, man, get into the Word as much as you possibly can be, uh, just to know what it says so that you can hold on to the truth and figure out what God is actually speaking to us. And even if you don't understand it, like you can do that with other people. We have this thing that we do around here we talk about a lot of times. It's, it's called D1. It's a simple study method. And we encourage people to be in the Word every day if you can. And so one chapter is how it goes. So D1, one chapter, one verse, one thought, one moment with God, and, and one person. Share that with one person. We feel like if you do that, man, that, like that one simple thing every day, uh, you will be gaining uh, like a wealth and you'll, uh, of wisdom. And you will also be able to share the things that you're learning with other people, and you can impact their day as well. So one chapter, three minutes, all right? We're sitting in, in Joshua chapter 1, and you guys read that. Anybody pick up like kind of a mega theme that was repeated over and over again? Anybody get that? There's a saying, a phrase. What was that? Be strong and courageous. I, I don't know if you guys caught this or not, but like three times in three verses, like it was said, and then another time at the end, so four times in a matter of 18 verses in this initial uh, speech to Joshua by God and from the people, like he's being encouraged. He's being pushed. He, he's being challenged. Be strong and courageous. Now, if, if you're like me at all, you have to ask the questions like, all right, why did Joshua need such encouragement? Like, why did he need to be reminded of this four different times in a matter of one chapter of, of this recording? And, and here's the deal. He had lots of reasons actually to be encouraged in this, in this moment, uh, to be challenged, to be strong and courageous. One of the reasons is uh, he's following uh, what Jewish history holds as the, as the greatest prophet uh, known to man, Moses, okay? Up until the point of Jesus, for those who would actually accept Jesus, he becomes the greatest prophet. But up until that point, Moses is it. There are prophets who come after him, prophets who come before him, but like he's the big deal. He spent time in the very presence of God. He radiated his glory. He brought the commandments. He organized the people. He set them free from captivity. And Joshua's got to follow that guy, all right? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where like uh, you're, you're at work or maybe you speak for a living or uh, maybe you play sports and you've got a person who went before you. And if that person wasn't really good or, or maybe even they were bad, then it's okay like if you step in and you're mediocre because you're better than them, all right? So like easy shoes to fill. But if you've got somebody that's like speaking before you and they are hilarious and they're impactful and they're inspiration, then you get up there and you're like, Okay, guys, uh, let's read Joshua 1, okay? So, uh, like, so that's, like, what happens is, is like, this is a, those are hard shoes to fill, right? And that's what Joshua's having to do. He's having to fill these shoes of an incredible leader. But here's the deal. Joshua's not just being thrust into this, like, out of nowhere. Um, it's not like, Josh, like Moses died and, okay, you're it, go ahead, you know? It, it's, it was, Joshua's like 40 years in process, being groomed, being prepped, being, but now he's being thrust into this leadership position. So Joshua, remember your training. Be strong and courageous. I think he also need to be reminded of this because he had a very good understanding of the people that he was about to lead, all right? So if, if you, like, you see this at all, what you'll see about these Israelites is, man, they are, they are big whiners, man. They are stubborn. They are discontent. They constantly grumble. They are a flaky brood. I mean, not fun to lead at all, constantly having difficulties, constantly going back on what, what God told them to do. And um, like, they're not a real great people. Matter of fact, they wanted to stone Joshua whenever he said, let's go into the land. And now they're like, okay, now lead us, Joshua. This is a, this is a, a pretty big contrast. Uh, and I think it had to make Joshua laugh a little bit when at the end of this chapter, the people are responding to Joshua. And they said, just as we followed Moses, we're going to follow you. And Joshua's going, man, I hope not. I got, 
I hope you guys do a lot better listening to me than what you did Moses, because you all have not had a really good track record up in this point. He knows the difficulty it's going to be to lead this million people into a promised land, because it's been a long time before they've gotten to it in the first place. I think he also he needs to be encouraged to be strong and courageous because he's actually been in the land. He knows the task that's set ahead of him. It's going to be difficult. He's seen the, the, the masses of people, and he's seen their weapons, and he's seen the fortified cities. He's seen the giants, right? He knows what he's up against. He knows that there's going to be war. There's going to be loss. There's going to be difficulty. And he's got to wonder whether he's up for that task or not. You see, I think the reason why Joshua had to be encouraged so much to be strong and courageous is because <clears throat> the promises of God are wonderful, but they're not always easy. The promises of God are wonderful. They're not always easy. Joshua's been given a promise, but this promise is going to come at great cost to him. And so the one thing that I want us to process through for the remainder of our time is this. Courageously pursue the promises of God. Courageously pursue the promises of God because that's what Joshua was being challenged to do. Now, when you look at this, just in this short chapter, there's several things that are actually being promised uh, to Joshua. Uh, one of the things it says, I will give you every place that you set your foot, just as I promised Moses. And so I'm transferring this promise I gave to Moses to you. Okay, that should be encouraging. Uh, one of the things that he says is, I will never leave you. I, I'm not, you're, you're not gonna be on this. I'm with you through this whole thing. Guys, that might be like one of the, one of the most reassuring promises in all of scripture. Not only to Joshua in this time, but Jesus gives us a very similar promise to us. He says, I'm not, I'm not gonna leave you or forsake you. I will always be with you. That is something that we can take to the bank. But one of the things that he's given is a promise that was actually made to Abraham. Now he is going to be doing this. He's going to lead his people into this promised land. This is a promise that was given to him. And so at this point, he's got to, he's got to help these people understand, are you going to continue to defer the promise or are you going to step into the promise? Okay, Are you going to delay what God has given us or are we going to do it? Because up until this point, they are, they've already been to the edge of the promised land once and they backed up and they delayed it. They deferred it, right? Once again... These people are right at the edge of the promised land, but they have something in front of them that causes a hindrance. they got to figure out, are we going to do this or not? And what it is, is, is they're actually standing on the east side of the Jordan, and, and, and they need to go to the west side of Jordan in order to go into the land that has been promised to them. The Jordan River is standing in between them, and it's at flood stage, and it's not very nice. It's a big river, and they've got a million people that got to get across it. So they've got to figure out, do we trust that God will actually be able to provide for us in this promise? So not only do we have enough courage to go in and conquer these people, but like we know what God has promised us, but we don't see how he's going to provide for us. And so if you read the chapter a little bit further, they have to come to this decision. They have to come to figure out, are we actually going to step in to the Jordan and see what God does? Or are we going to stay on this side until we wait and figure out what he does? We could delay this any further. So what happens is, you, you, like read this for yourself. It's awesome stuff. Joshua chapter 3, it, it, like... This is so cool. I love this. God literally requires that they go and put their foot in the water before he does something miraculous. I'm not going to tell you what he does. You have to go read it for yourself, all right? But ultimately, they have to put their foot in the water. They have to like step into the promise that God has in order for them to be able to realize that. So now, let me ask you this today, and we're not going to process and hold on to this a whole lot, but if God has promised you something, what, what's the Jordan that's keeping you from it right now? What's the thing that, that's actually hindering you, delaying you, causing you to defer the promise that he has actually spoken to you? Maybe it's that you don't even know the promise that he's given to you. Or maybe, maybe you haven't heard that very clearly. Maybe it's, maybe it's actually a person that's standing in between this. Maybe, maybe it's lack of preparation on your part. Maybe it's discouragement. Maybe it's a sin. But, but, 
There are things all the time that are standing in between us and the promises of God. And until we actually step into them, we'll never realize them. We'll wander around in the desert aimlessly, just kind of living, uh, hoping to live on to life, hold on to life instead of actually living it to the full. These guys had to figure out, do we want to actually step into the promise of God or not? And they chose to do it in this way. Now, um, a little bit of a spoiler alert, okay? They don't do a real good job of this. So what happens is, uh, is uh, they've stepped into the promise of God. They've actually gone across the Jordan now. They're making their way on it. But, but you have to make sure you stay on track in, in order for you to be able to experience all that is offered. Let me, let me read to you. Right after uh, uh, God gives Joshua this promise, he says this. He describes the territory that he's going to give him. He says, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all of the days of your life. And so there's a little map here. Again, I'm kind of visual. This helps me out to be able to stand this. This is the promised land according to God's decree. Okay? Uh, God not only gives a promise, but he actually gives some context to this promise. He says, this is what I'm actually talking about. This is what I'm giving you. Anywhere that you step in this land, that's what I'm giving you. And so he paints this picture and he gives this whole thing uh, to them, all right? But, um, but then he says this. He says, but this promise is conditional. Matter of fact, when you look at most of the promises that are given in Scripture, they, they are conditioned typically on our response, whether it's to receive it or in this case, it's actually to do something about it. This is what he says. He says, all of this is yours. Be strong and courageous. Go get it, but be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn to it from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. You see, God says, I've got this promise. I've got this thing in store for you. This whole thing is yours. You just do it. You just step into it. But you've got to do it the way that I tell you to do it. And unfortunately, what happens is these guys get in the land and they start walking and listening to God and doing the things that he does and they see the success, but somewhere along the way, like God tells them to do something and they don't do it exactly like he tells them to do it. And then he says, hey, don't do this. And they don't quite listen to him and they do it. They do it anyway. What happens is this promised land that's actually given to them doesn't ever get realized the way that he promised it to them. Matter of fact, I want you, I want you to see this, this next thing. See, see this, this particular map in the yellow shows the, the areas that were declared, but, but this area, as it's broken up into the tribes, is, is the area of the promise that was claimed. I don't know if you can see by this map or not, but, but it's like less than half, less than half of what God promised was actually realized by the people of Israel. Because, because their disobedience caused them to actually have their promise diminished. See, the promise was there. It just took them doing it the way that God told them to do it, and it was conditioned on their obedience. But because of their disobedience, they settled for something less than what God actually promised. I've got a little illustration here I want to show you. Um, I've got a check, okay? And this check is for $1 million, okay? Anybody like this check? Okay. Only two people. Okay, good. All right, so let's go back to the beginning and talk about the good stuff. All right, now, uh, so Sophie, you would like this check. It's $1 million. This has my name on it as a personal check. Therefore, it is not actually worth $1 million. Okay, so, but with that being said, okay, so follow me here for a minute. Okay, so Sophie, I've got a check for a $1 million. Do you want it? 
Yes, you want it because it's a million dollars and it's given to you for free, okay? So here it is. Now, if I give you this check, um, are you going to put it in your dresser at home? No. I'm going to answer that for you. No, you're not going to do that. Are you going to put it in your pocket and just like carry it around with you? No, okay? Because what we just learned is in order to actually get the good stuff on the other side, you have to cash it in, right? Like you have to actually literally step into it, all right? So you got to go take us to a bank in order to actually get what was promised to you in the first place. Okay, got that part. Um, a lot of us miss that part. We have these incredible promises that God has given to us. We never step into them, okay? Secondarily, okay? I'm going to give you some instruction about this check, okay? It's, it's for $1 million, okay? But here's what you need to do, okay? It's U.S. Bank. You need to actually walk to the U.S. Bank that's downtown, okay? And you need to do it on Tuesday, and, uh, and then you'll get your million dollars, okay? Plain and simple, clear. Everybody's got the instructions, right? So give Sophie the check. She takes the check, and because she's smart and she wants to cash it in, she goes to the bank, right? So she starts walking. She starts walking to the bank, and she, she realizes, like, why am I walking? Like, I have a car. Like, I can get there quicker. I should get in the car. So she gets in the car, and so she starts driving. And as she's driving to the, the bank that I told her to go to, she passes a U.S. bank on the way. She's like, why do I have to go to that bank? Like, this bank is good enough. Like, it's the, it's the same bank. It's U.S. Bank. I can just stop in here. And instead of going there on Tuesday, now, like, she goes uh, today. So, so she stops in, and she asks, you know, hey, can I, can I cash my check? And, she, and they're like, yeah, sure, you can cash your check. So she hands them the check, and then they hand her back $500,000. Okay, $500,000 is a pretty good thing, right? But it's not a million dollars. Like, half of what was promised to you was not given to you. Will you be a little upset about that? Come on, guys. Yes, okay, yeah, you're going to be excited about $500,000. You're going to be really ticked off. Well, hold up, I thought this was supposed to be for, for a million. What happened to the other $500,000? Well, actually, uh, there's a couple conditions to this. So like that, that other bank down there could have given you a million. Uh, we don't do that, so here. Uh, and you, I saw you come in the car, you didn't walk. So that, uh, there's some processing fees for that for whatever reason. I don't know why. Just part of the illustration, just go with me on this. And on Tuesday, like we had, we'd had that money, but today we don't. So the, so the fee is actually $500,000. So this is all you get. Guys, stupid illustration, I understand, okay? We do this. We do this all the time. And here's the, it's, not that, it's not that we don't ever experience some kind of blessing. It's not that we don't ever get something that's, that's kind of good. We just don't get all that God has promised us. We leave a ton on the table because we don't choose to do things the way that God has instructed us to do it, the way that he has given us to do it. Guys, there's, there's lots of things in our culture that we'll be challenged to do and not do. The question is whether or not we're actually gonna do them the way that God has told us to do it. You think about this, like um, scripture, instruction, law, it tells us, hey, you should tithe 10%. All that you have should go to, to increase the kingdom of God. Now, uh, we, we've done a really poor job of explaining this, but when, when you look at the heart behind this, God goes, hey, here's the deal. Um, I'm putting this instruction in your hand for your good. Because if I don't do this, you're going to be tempted to think that what you have in your hands is actually yours in the first place. Right? You're, you're going to be tempted to think that you can actually provide on your own and not actually trust me to do it. And so what I'm asking you to do is, uh, you don't have to get everything, but like 10%, I want you to set your first 10% aside. Uh, and this is going to do a couple things. It's going to remind you that I'm the one who provides for you in the first place. It's going to grow you in generosity so that you can be more like Jesus. And it's going to provide for the kingdom work that I want to happen over here. This is like a great thing. This is a really, really good thing. Okay? Oh, by the way, I make this promise. Like, if you put the kingdom of God first, like, you seek this first, you do this, then all these other things, like your basic provisions, I'll provide for. Okay? 
These are promises that are spoken all over Scripture, spoken specifically to this. And what we do is we go, uh, but I'm not sure if I want to do that. You know, or maybe I don't want to do it first. Maybe what I'll do is I'll see what I have left over and then I'll give that. Or you know, I'll do 5%. I'll do 5%. That, that's good enough, right? This is not about a percentage. It's not about a number. What happens is, is God goes, yeah, you can do that. You can do that if you want. I'm not going to smite you. I'm not going to send like lightning bolts down to, to strike you. I'm not even going to send the church leadership over to your house and, and tell you, hey, you're not giving five, you know, 10%. You need to do this. Because we're not going to do that. Why? Why? Because we go... Actually, what you're doing is you're missing out on the blessing that God has in store for you. Not only to see the kingdom of God grow, but to grow in generosity. And because God promises us that when we do that, that he takes care of the rest of our provision. You're missing out. In our culture, um, we, we have a concept of uh, instant gratification, specifically when it comes to sexuality. And so what happens is, is oftentimes we go outside of uh, the bounds of how God has created sex and we say, you know what? This brought me some kind of pleasure. I enjoyed this. I'm going to do it my way. Here's the deal. Uh, sex is a good thing. God created it. And he said, it's a good thing. But I created it in a certain way. And when you go outside of the way that I created it, what you're doing is you're experiencing something so much less than what I actually created it for. It's like, can you do it? Yeah, 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 you can do it. But why would you want to whenever I have something so much better over here in store for you? You guys have devoted yourself. You showed up this morning. You're, you're here at church with us here today. Guess what? We've been given instruction that we should gather together. Like we should do this on a regular basis to be able to hear things, to be sharpened, to be encouraged, to like build each other up, to carry each other's burdens. Do you have to come to church? No, no, you, you don't have to come to church. But God gave us instruction. He created this thing and he goes, guys, you don't have to do this. You, you, can go, you can go somewhere else. You can do something else, but, but you're missing out on this incredible blessing that I've created for you. Like, this is for your benefit. And we, when we look at like all the, the laws and the rules and stuff like that, we oftentimes see them as like obedience is obligation and it's, it's, it's confining. And God goes, no, rebellion is that. Obedience is, is to show you the very, if you stick to these things, I'm going to give you the very best of how I actually created it. But we don't do that. We step outside of the bounds. And what I think is that I don't think God gets as angry with us as he does get disappointed with us. What I mean by that is, is God's going, I have something so much better and you're such a bonehead and you settle for something so much less. It's like, why? Why do you do that? Mm. He just wants us to have the very best that he's created for us. He just wanted the Israelites to be able to have all that he had in store for them. But they shortchanged themselves because they didn't do it the way that God had called us to. Now, the promises of God are great, but they're not always easy. Yes, we have to courageously pursue the promises of God. Now, for some of you guys today, uh, that looks like standing at the Jordan and going, what promise do you have on the other side of this? I don't even know. I don't know what you've promised me. And that may, that may take like time spending in the Word to actually hear because God, like, He makes a lot of promises to us throughout the Scriptures that we read. And He shares things with us. 
And so it may be like finding those things out for yourself in the first place. What has he promised me? For some of you guys, it's a matter of, 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 of getting rid of the Jordan River, figuring out what it is that's causing you to not actually be able to step into that promise. But I have a feeling for a lot of you guys, uh, you're just not realizing the full extent of the promises of God because you're not being obedient to him in the ways in which he tells you to receive them. And so the principle of one, every, every session that we were getting together this summer, we're talking about one. The principle of one is this today. What's... What's the one thing that God has spoken that you need to cash in? What's the one thing that God has spoken to you that you need to cash in? And it may be getting rid of something in your life, or it may be stepping into something in your life. I don't know what that is. But whatever it is that God has called you to do, and if you're not in line with that, and if you're not stepping into that, would you consider that today? Would you just process that? And I don't know what that is for you. I don't know what that is for you, but we can learn something from Joshua today by that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to move into a time of response. And here, Trace, we just believe, like, uh, if you're going to spend your time, you're going to invest it here, hang out with us on a Sunday morning, wake up and, and do this. Like, you should get something out of this, uh, and, 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 like, you should do something about it, okay? And so um, what, we, what we've done was giving you some opportunities to respond, and, and that may look different for all of you. Uh, for some of you guys, we have some stations that are around here uh, that represent uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross. His blood, his, his body that was shed for us and broken for us, like those, those elements represent that. What you need to understand is, is uh, uh, God has written a check for us and his name is Jesus. And he's made it available. And, and so for those of us that have actually taken it to the bank, uh, we say we, we take this time every time we get together to thank him for that. Some of you guys haven't stepped into that. Some of you haven't, don't realize that God's written a check with Jesus' name on it for you. Maybe you need to take it, or maybe some of you know it, but you've just not cashed it in. You've not surrendered to that. Today might be a day for you to do that. Come talk to us about it. In addition, on those tables, we also have some containers uh, where we, we invite you guys um, to be able to bring your tithes and your offerings. Uh, and we do that because we think it's actually really good for you. And, and it's also good for the mission of what's going on here. So opportunity, that's all. If, you, if you're a guest with us here today, please don't feel obligated to give. Uh, but it's not an obligation. It's, it's an opportunity. And so if you want to, awesome, okay? Uh, in addition to that, we have some prayer stations in the back. Those prayer stations are meant for you to be able to share some of the burdens that you have, whatever they might be, or maybe some of the blessings that have been given to you. We want to pray over those things with you. Today, though, you might uh, take some time to write on a piece of paper, on a connection card, you might throw it in there. Uh, you might write out what your principle of one is. What's the one thing that God has spoken to you that you need to cash in? And if you want us to either follow up with you on that or you just want us to pray with you about it, write that on that connection card and put it in one of those buckets. Let's pray, and then you guys can move as you need to. Father, thank you for speaking to us through the life of Joshua. Um, Lord, there's still a lot of things we don't understand. Still a lot of things that uh, we don't comprehend. But I pray that you would make your promises uh, clear to us. Make them known to us so that we have the opportunity to be able to step into them. Father, I pray that you would also make your instruction abundantly clear. And you've given us guidelines for how you want us to live your life because of who you are and what you have created. Let us not see obedience as being a burden. Let us see it as being a blessing. And that we would take uh, we would take full advantage of the promises that you have created for us and be able to experience them to the fullest. It's in Jesus' name we pray.